Hi, I am Clara Irene Reyes. Hi, this is James Stoppan. This is Ana Carolina Pereira, and you're listening to the Bogota Writers Group Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Bogota Writers Group Podcast, new short fiction from the capital of Colombia. I'm your host, Delaney Turner. On today's episode, The Time Tracker's Apprentice by Juan Manuel Rodriguez. Juan Manuel is 100% easygoing and 100% Bogotano, two characteristics which do not necessarily go hand in hand. An industrial engineer by training, but a writer and reader by choice, Juanma is always on the lookout for the best cappuccino and carrot cake in town. And now, the time tracker's apprentice. Walking back home from an interview in an Unicentro store, Hector kicked a stone along the pavement. Drops of rain were drizzling on his head. Both hands were in his pockets, and he was bent over as if he might fall at any time. He always took advantage of these long, rainy walks to think and reflect about some issues that he considered important in life. Family, country, war, city, death, girls, God, wholeness, food, rock music, politics, sports, literature, sex, emptiness, football, religion, war, the devil, human stupidity. An endless list that seemed to grow as each raindrop hit him, like a new idea entering his head. Because you have to think at a hundred miles per hour, right? You can't waste your time, isn't that what they say? A car honked at him when he was about to cross the street, its tires splashing water all over him. Fuck you, he shouted aloud, getting angry at his own reaction knowing that his words didn't reach the driver, yet it had put him out of his thoughtful Zen mode. Coming from a humble family, Hector didn't consider himself cheated by destiny, nor feel envy or angry about people who were better off than he. He always tried to be at peace with the world. Over the last few months, Hector had been reading some Buddhism. I'm going to dance with all my troubles till they get tired, was one of his personal mantras. Having studied at a not exactly impressive state school, he managed to enter the Sena Institute to pursue a technical career. One of his main goals in life was to become a professional. Even though his education wasn't as good as he would have liked, he complemented it by reading a lot, an activity that made him question everything. Just a couple of hours earlier, Hector had been standing in front of Unicentro, one of Bogota's largest shopping malls, on a street packed with a huge variety of grocers, cafeterias, currency exchanges, and fashion stores featuring windows with mannequins wearing tuxedos for rental. It was a place, he thought, that certainly reflected the frenzy and chaos of the city, a place that never seemed to be quiet, full of people always rushing, whether they were going to work or enjoying some leisure time at the mall or in the surroundings. After the long walk, he finally reached home. He put his key in the lock, opened the door and entered. He kissed his mother affectionately on her cheek, said, what's up, old man, to his father, and then went to his room to change. After half an hour, his mother called him to have dinner. He walked hurriedly the short distance to the dinner table where his parents were waiting. Sitting down, Hector sensed that the atmosphere was tense. Nobody dared talk. There, his father, with a sad face, said to him, Hector, your mother and I are out of money. We are in a very precarious financial situation right now. 
We want you to help with the shop. Hector didn't say anything, knowing that his parents had made a huge effort to pay for his first semester's studies. He just played with his fork and spaghetti on the plate, seeing how they got mixed and intertwined, thinking that they were mirroring all of his life's issues. A year ago, his parents had opened a general store in the garage of their house. It was not such a profitable business, given the proliferation of these kinds of shops in the neighbourhood, but at least kept them afloat. Ektov felt bad about not wanting to work in his parents' shop, but he wanted something better for himself, something that could help provide income, but would also be more fulfilling. In recent works, he had started searching crazily for a job, but all to no avail. For a young man, it is hard to find a decent job without any further experience than neighbourhood shop weekend salesman. After a couple of interviews, he was convinced that the first person who could tell canned experience in the world would get so damn rich. That day, after his interview in the Unicentra store, as Hector was heading back home, he saw one of those guys that are often to be found standing in the middle of Bogota's streets, talking every now and then to some of the passing bus drivers who they seemed to choose randomly. He realised that he'd never understood their work. This guy looked calm even given the danger of where he was standing and knowing, like all people in Bogota, that there are some drivers who often think that they're on some kind of racetrack or that they have the street completely to themselves without minding the pedestrians. How much money would he earn monthly doing that? Well, at least he's got a job, maybe not a formal one, but whatever kind of activity that brings food to your table and helps you pay the bills would always be considered a job here in, or in Shanghai, Hector thought. When the traffic lights turned red, Hector crossed over, and as he was about to reach the other side, he saw the man sitting there, examining a red watch and writing some notes on a sheet of paper. Hector stood beside him for about 20 seconds, but the man didn't notice. Then he faked a cough, but the man was still totally immersed in his own thoughts. Finally, he said to him, louder than normal, Good evening, senor. How are you? The man kept concentrating over the sheet of paper. Hector bent a little bit towards him and noticed that the man was drawing instead of writing notes. He was so intrigued about exactly what he was doing that he found himself tapping the man's shoulder. That finally grabbed his attention. Two deep black eyes that seemed to be full of oil stared back at Hector. For a split second he saw himself reflected in these pupils and then he saw the wrinkles around the man's eyes Millions of lines, probably the product of age and constant exposure to the city's pollution, revealing an indefinable wisdom. The man also had a gold earring in his left ear and long black hair with a tiny coloured bird's feather hanging from it. He looks like one of those Indians that you see from time to time on TV, thought Hector. What's up, son? Can I help you with anything? A deep voice quickly brought him back to reality. He didn't know how much time he had spent staring stupidly at the man's face without saying a word to answer his question. He blotched and said, Sorry, I didn't want to bother you, senor. Embarrassed, he turned around was about to leave when the man spoke again. What's the matter, son? Why are you going? Let's talk for a while. It's always nice to have a chat. Nobody had called him son for a long time now, at least not his father, who always just called him by his first name. But he didn't mind being called that by a stranger. So he turned around and slowly and rather puzzled went back to him. Hi, my name's Hector. 
Sorry for having interrupted you, but I'm curious about your work. Can you explain what you're doing? The man remained silent for a moment, then he slowly began to talk. I constantly reinvent that strange concept we call time. In other words, each day I try to care less about time. Hector remained silent, not knowing what to say, while the man was still maintaining eye contact with him. He could have just said goodbye, run off and left the guy with his strange time issue. But something profound and inexplicable caught hold of him. It was like when you talk to someone for the first time, but you nonetheless feel that you know the person from long ago. He ended up asking, what do you mean by that? Well, it's not so easy to explain briefly. If you want to know, why not take a coffee with me? He took a quick glance at Hector while asking this and wrote a note on the sheet of paper. I may have some time, but I don't have any money, and besides, it's getting late. Don't deny a cup of coffee to an old man. And don't you worry about the money. I'm inviting. And you're late? Come on. You're still so young. Late for what? Well, you see, it's almost 6pm and I have to get back to help my mother with some chores. It would only take a little while for me to explain a couple of things. No more than half an hour if you stick to your concept of time. Hector finally agreed and went with him to a nearby cafeteria. The older man asked for two pericos with almohavanas. He started talking. And what brings you here, Hector? He knew he had no need to tell the old man about his business. He didn't usually like to engage in contact with strangers on the street. But once again, there was this subtle hypnotic tone of command in the man's voice. So he replied instantly, albeit cautiously. I'm looking for a job. I've just come back from an interview. And how did it go? I didn't get it. The interview sucked. They expect me to have at least one year's experience. They should know that for someone to have experience, they must let him work first without going on so much about the issue. Anyway, they'd probably give the job to a blonde who was wearing a belt for a skirt and using the cleavage factor. I don't judge them. If I was in charge of the interview, I guess I would have done the same. Are you afraid of not having enough time, Hector? There you go, idiot. Why the heck did you start talking to him about your things? Hector thought. Look, I just got curious about your work, okay? Hector was nervous. He suddenly remembered all those stories about thugs who drug people in order to steal their money or rip out their organs to sell. How much money are all my organs worth? He thought for a second, and then his mind, racing like always, jumped to an image of his mother talking to him. The street is a jungle full of hungry lions, mijo. Don't trust anyone out there. The old man sensed his discomfort. Don't worry, I'm not going to rob you or do you any harm. Remember you were the one who wanted to talk. You can leave right now if you want to. Hector hesitated for a moment, but he was anxious to know a little bit more about the man and his particular job, so he finally managed to say something. What is your work? I guess that you're telling the time between buses, but you seem to do more by the way you interact with the bus drivers. You got it right, Hector. I'm supposed to keep track of the time between buses that are doing the same route. It seems like a really stupid thing to do but it really helps to synchronise the bus's movements, which results in better traffic. What do you mean that you're supposed to? Yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. And from time to time, I also have a perico with these strangers who suddenly talk to me, he said, smiling back at Hector. Okay, so if that's what you're supposed to do, what do you really do? I don't get what you mean. I mean, I'm supposed to give the bus drivers a time that's as accurate as it can be. 
like with the help of a stopwatch, tell them how many minutes ahead is the bus that's doing the same route so they know if they have to slow down or speed up their trip. Don't you think that's weird? What's weird? I mean, to give such importance to time. We think so much about it. Whether we're late, if we're getting old, or heaven forbid, if we're wasting time. And also expressing time in distance. Imagine that the bus ahead is one kilometre away. It could be 5, 10, 15 or 60 minutes in front. So in this particular job, well, distance is so straight, whilst time, like Einstein said, is relative. Are you following me? I guess so. The thing is that we give too much importance to time, as in the seconds, minutes, days, years, decades, centuries that pass. And at the end, it seems that without time, we can't enjoy anything. So I guess that by constantly tracking it, we, in some strange kind of way, pretend perpetually to treasure that intangible thing that we call time. So, anyway, you seem to be a time tracker, right? Hector asked. Well, that's too much of a title for me, son. For me, it's just work that I enjoy. Most of the bus drivers tip me a 500 pesos coin. Others are stingy and give me less. Though on special occasions, I might make 1,000 pesos. Excuse me for not having asked, but what's your name? Hector said abruptly. I like that time tracker nickname that you've given me. Does it matter if I don't have a name? Would it make such a big difference? He remained silent, gazing at Hector, as if to say, ask me whatever you want. But why do you say that you're supposed to do that if you're actually doing it? Because I believe that time is an illusion. So I do my job with a little twist in the standard procedure. What? It's all a facade. My watch doesn't work anymore. I bought it for a girlfriend years ago, then things got really bad between us. And at the end of our relationship, when we broke up, she returned all my gifts. I kept the watch because I really like it. Finally, it got damaged, and since then it has always shown the same time, 1.45pm. As for the sheet of paper I use, I just like to draw little things on it, and from time to time, when I produce a brilliant idea, I write it down, so I can think about it later. So how do you manage to do your work? What info do you give to the bus drivers? Well, that's my secret touch. When I started this work, I used to be in agony, gazing at my watch constantly and being worried about giving the wrong time. That also brought back some sad memories. He lowered his tone of voice and started speaking carefully. My mom spent her last two months in bed due to a cancer that destroyed her stomach. Back then, she was constantly worried about time and kept asking for it like crazy, totally delusional. One day in one of her strange talks, she told me that she wanted to know the exact hour of her death. Since that episode, I promised myself to worry as little as possible about time. And after a couple of months in this work, which offered a chance to deal with my fears, I managed to measure time pretty accurately and ended up not needing the watch any longer. Get me? Besides that, life is one big question when you're staring at the clock all the time. Don't you think so? He went silent for a second and then continued. I know that what I'm going to say can sound kind of strange, but I feel time. For some strange reason, I can remember exactly which bus passed before, and I can calculate the time between them by pure instinct. That allows me to give the drivers pretty accurate times. Otherwise, they wouldn't trust me anymore, and they would have already lynched me. I just keep doing the watch and sheet ritual, because there are others who want to take my place. 
So I have to fake being a really professional time tracker. Could that be possible? To not care about time and yet to measure it closely without the help of a stopwatch, Hector thought. Hector couldn't believe that someone could care so little about time. He thought of a clever response to challenge the man's theory. And what if, for example, the first bus that you saw passing by gets in some kind of accident with another car, so it slows its route? For sure the info you gave to the bus right behind wouldn't be accurate. The man smiled at him. You're right. I try to do my work the best I can, but there are some things that I just can't control. It's pretty similar to what happens with time. We want to control it, but frequently it's out of our hands. Wanting to test his attitude, Hector came up with a friendly comment. Sounds to me like you're kind of crazy. Thanks for your sincerity. Look, even though this is not a formal job, there's a union of time trackers that is really a closed shop. Not anyone can get in. I got this job because my father was a mechanic who worked with the bus companies, so they respect me. I'm not supposed to do this, Hector, but you seem to be a good kid. And since you're looking for a job, well, I could make the proper arrangements for you to help me with it, at least until you found some other work. The thing is, would you really like to get involved in the time tracking mysteries or not? What do you mean? Hector asked, looking confused. It's not that easy to forget all about time. Besides, your point of view just seems against all common sense. I've thought about that, but don't you think that you have to trust what you really stand for in life? Anyway, the thing is, would you like to learn about this craft from the best, which I am? And the time tracker started to laugh. I mean, do you want to work tracking bus times? The offer surprised Hector. Well, I don't know. Come on, say something. You need the money and your job search so far hasn't been quite what you'd expected. Don't worry, said the time tracker. You don't have to answer straight away. I'll be here tomorrow. If you show up at 8am, that would close the deal. If not, no offence taken. You just spent a little while talking about time with a crazy man. It's all up to you. Hector went back home thinking about all the things that the time tracker had told him about his time theory. He was so right. We spend so much time trying to measure time and worrying about how fast or slow it passes that we don't truly enjoy life. He's not willing to betray his dream of one day becoming a professional, but he knew that if he wanted to keep on studying, the first thing he needed was to have some kind of income and then to see if he could save any money. I guess I'm going to accept his offer. What do I have to lose? At dinner, after his father finished talking about the family's financial situation, he told his parents that he had got a job at Unicentro. He was afraid that if he told them about his real job, they would get really upset and talk him out of it. So the next day, he showed up at eight o'clock. He was prepared to become the apprentice of the time tracker. Hector spent the whole of the next month working side by side with the time tracker, learning how to deal with and speak to the bus drivers. He was always introduced as his apprentice, and he felt proud of the title. One Friday, around 6 p.m., when they were having their daily afternoon sacred perico with Almohabana, the man said to him, So you see, Hector, dealing with time isn't so much of a problem. Soon you'll be able to do it all by yourself. Do you think so? I guess we are such a great team. But I really want to share more time with you, you know, just to perfect my time-tracking craft. You're a good lad, Hector. He sensed a great sadness in the old man's voice. The truth was that Hector had come to really like his mentor, and one of the coolest things of his work days was to spend time with him, hearing his stories, or just looking at the way he handled the street. Besides being his teacher, 
he'd also become a good friend. The next Monday, Hector felt somehow really strange, like one of those days when you know things are not going to work out so well. He repeated his favourite mantra, I'm going to dance with all of my troubles till they get tired, and jumped out of bed. The time tracker didn't show up that day. Hector felt sad and wondered for a moment what could have happened to him. But finally his work routine took away his anguish. That day the streets were full of traffic, honking horns and enraged drivers, pretty much as usual for Bogota. Although alone, he felt really proud, handling all the time tracking by himself. He did his best to give the time to the bus drivers in his master's manner, but he'd been cheating and always kept a digital watch in his pocket. He wasn't ready to drop out of time as easy as a time tracker and he was convinced that he needed more practice to calculate time by just feeling it. Being really busy, he didn't notice that the lunch hour had passed. He took a break and went to the cafeteria, where he'd had the first perico with a time tracker. Hi, Senora Magnolia, how are you doing? Please give me one really big lunch, because I'm starving. Okay, mijo. The man that you work with came really early this morning, and left you a package. Who? Hector asked, having his mind on other thoughts. You know, how is it you call him, the time tracker? Senora Magnolia came back to his table, carrying a brown envelope. Here, mijo, this is what he left you. Hector weighed the envelope in his right hand. It looked like it contained a stack of paper and other objects that made it a little heavier than he expected. He opened the envelope and found inside some sheets of paper, a pencil, the time tracker's red watch and a little note. Dear Hector, I didn't want an emotional farewell. The truth is, I'm too old for this. Don't worry about me. I'm going to be fine. In the past few years, I was looking for someone who could take my job. Now you're the time tracker. And I would say, one much better than me. Just keep your mind on one thing. Don't worry too much about time, son. It always ends up passing. The time tracker. Hector smiled, allowing the melancholy to sweep over him for a moment. He looked at the street to see it full of buses. He took out his digital watch from his pocket and compared it to the red watch. Strangely, they were both showing exactly the same hour, 1.45pm. He then threw the digital one to the floor and put the useless watch on his right wrist. It was time to get some time tracking going. That was The Time Tracker's Apprentice by Wanma. Goes by a single name, Wanma. <laughs> uh, we're going to hear our thoughts about Wanma's story from our fellow members now. And we're going to start with James. So, I enjoyed this story. I think it's one of my, my favourite ones that I've read by you, Tama. But there were a couple of things that I'm kind of curious about or I'd like to know more about. So, I really, really liked the, the premise. Um, I liked Hector. I liked the, the variety of topics that he likes to think about that he considers important in his life. And I, I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, he's this, this guy who's just kind of wandering and he's just curious and he decides to start a conversation and it leads him down this very particular track into this weird and kind of wonderful world. Now, some of the things that I would be curious about, specifically with regard, with regard to the kind of the structuring of the story... I uh, almost like something a little bit more fantastical. Like, I felt like that's what the story was building up towards. And I felt like the time track as a friend, I was thinking like the time travel as a and I was thinking there was going to be some kind of like 
fantastical thing related to this guy not keeping track of time. And rather than this just being kind of like a personal growth story, I thought it was going to be like a, a story about kind of how he grows, but also with this additional element to the story. And I kind of also maybe would have liked, because you, I felt like you were kind of touching around the edges of kind of really going to kind of the philosophy to do with time and like what that means and everything. But then I felt like it was only ever really touched on and I didn't feel like you went that much deeper into that and I personally would have really enjoyed that as part of the story, like a deeper explanation of what time really is and what time means because, yeah, again, I felt like that was just touched on. Then a couple more specific things in the, the story that I would have liked to have maybe seen addressed. One was, but I thought that um, the bit after he's invited to come along for the job, I thought that the story actually would have benefited from not having Hector's thoughts there, but to where he's thinking about, like, um, oh, I guess I'm going to accept his offer and everything. I feel like it would have been good if he, if we'd just seen him turn up and then the story progressed from there without the, needing this, like, insight into what he's imagining, because I, I feel like it gives something more to the reader if the reader's free to imagine what Hector might be feeling rather than having it explicitly laid out for you. The other thing I think would have been useful, particularly for non-Colombians, would be like some of the vocals, so like Perico or Almohabana, like to not necessarily describe exactly what it is, but like um, if there was a way to work that in. So like while they're eating it or something like that, you could say like, oh, you know, he really enjoyed the delicious taste of the, and then a slightly, for those people who aren't familiar at all with Colombian culture, because otherwise I think they're going to be very lost as to what you're talking about there. I like having the Spanish in there, but I think it would make sense to just clarify that a little bit more for for those who don't know it. Um, Overall, I liked Hector, but one thing that I didn't like as much in his thoughts was the bit about the blonde. There's a bit where he says, like, anyway, they'll probably give the job to a blonde who's wearing a belt for a skirt and using the cleavage factor. And although I generally liked Hector, I didn't quite like him quite so much in that particular moment. So I, I don't know, maybe that would be something to think about revising, because overall I think he's a very likable character, but less so there. Over to Clara. Okay, Juanma. I really, you know, I really like this story. It's in our collection, so if people want to buy the collection, they'll find the story there. I like the idea of uh, what James was talking about, the idea of time, you know, in the story, because it makes you think as a reader about time and you wonder, do I rush to places? Am I paying attention too much to time? And I think that's the essential part of the story. And I, I really like that part. I really like the character of the old man and, and what he does and, and the way he explains to the younger boy his idea of time and he tries to explain to him why he shouldn't be rushing and he should take life in a more relaxed way, let's say. I don't know about Hector though, um, because at the beginning, Hector is our main character. He's the one who learns about the time tracker because at the beginning it says, Hector dreams of becoming a professional. You know, that's his dream. And all of a sudden he's standing supposedly keeping track of the buses and how long it takes them to go from one place to another. That's not a professional career that he was dreaming of. So it's very unlikely that somebody like Hector would end up accepting a job like that. 
Plus, from what we understand, his family needs the money. His parents have begged him to, to work with them because they're running out of money. And the old man has explained to him that uh, sometimes he doesn't get paid anything, that sometimes he only gets 500 pesos, sometimes he doesn't get anything. How is Hector going to make a living from, from this job that he has accepted? So the idea of the whole story is very romantic or idealistic that somebody, a young man, would accept a job like this one just because he believes in the philosophy behind it. However, it's not very easy to believe if you're a Colombian living in the context of Colombia, living in the context of a city like Bogota. It's not easy to, to accept that a young man who has dreamed of becoming a professional, who has so many expectations of himself, would accept that. However, as I said, I like the idea of the time tracker. I, I, I really find it beautiful, let's say, and, and fascinating. But I'm not very convinced about Hector accepting that type of job. Carolina, what's your thoughts, please? Well, this is a very interesting story. And yes, as Clara said, it is on the book. This is a character that I don't know if this character still exists in Bogota. I mean, oh, OK, so they tell me that, yes. <laughs> this is type of job in, in Colombia's economy, which is characterized by a lot of informal jobs, you know. So I think that it was a very good idea to, to have a story about this type of job in, in a place like Bogota for the collection of Voices of Bogota. And then the story is, you think it's going to be knowing what these characters do, you know, they are uh, dealing with the pollution, with the traffic, with the, they get very little money, you know, you, you think it's going to be a very raw and realistic uh, story. And then when you read it, it is more like a philosophical, like Clara said, like idealistic uh, type of story. So it's kind of the opposite of what you see these people, uh, that these people have to deal with every day. And I guess that's interesting. I, I, don't, I don't think it's bad because it's, it's precisely this guy who has the, I mean, a really precarious job and, and, and he seems to be quite enlightened, you know, like some Buddhist guy, you know, so same type of guy who doesn't care about money or about time or about social class. And I agree with Clara that the fact that this is a young man, you know, who's supposed to be ambitious. I mean, yeah, he, he reads a lot and he's supposed to be uh, not the most conventional person, but still he's a very young guy and he has the pressure from his family. And, and this job is really tough. I don't think it's something you want to be doing like day in, day, in, day out uh, for the rest of your life. To me, maybe... Uh, it would make more sense or be more believable if it was perhaps an older person, someone who's just not going to get any job anymore, no matter what. And that's the only thing that he can find, you know, someone who, who is at a different stage in his life. I, I like what you say. Also, I like uh, what you say that uh, this guy, they don't give him job a job because he doesn't have experience. But how do you get experience? You first need to get a job. So this is like... Some of those uh, insights that you have about the city and about uh, work life here in, in Colombia. But yeah, the characters, yeah, it, it's a little bit, uh, per perhaps I would make him older than 
than the, than the protagonist. And, and I also agree with James, the, the part about the woman and, the, you know, that, that seemed like out of character for, for this guy. Okay, thank you for your comments. James said that you would have liked to be the story a little more fantastical. Mm -hmm. But this is one thing I, I never thought about it because I wanted like to keep it like the real image of Bogota. And it, for me, it was difficult, not difficult, but the, the whole time concept is, is strange. I mean, the, the story, I, I came up with the story because I was trying to find particular Bogotanian, how do we say that, <laughs> Bogota characters. And one is definitely those guys that are on the street taking time of the buses. Mm -hmm. And my brother told me uh, about a documentary he saw about a tribe in the, in the Brazilian Amazon that they don't believe in time. They, it's called the Amandawa tribe or something like that. They, they, they don't have time. I mean, they don't have tenses like yesterday, today, tomorrow. No, they just live and they change their names in the different periods of life, when they're a child, when they're young, when they're old. So I really said, well, what would be to live without paying too much attention to time? So that's, that's why I try to mix in, in this story. And I always been marveled by the time. What is it? Is it a thing? Is it just a concept? What is that? And we all live ruled by it. But maybe it could be a good take to, to put more a little bit more fantasy on that. Yeah, I, I, I haven't thought of, of, of the of the scene of the blonde, but maybe you you you're right. It it doesn't fit with his character. I mean his whole philosophical and suddenly he's talking about the skirt and the cleavage and it doesn't fit with him. Okay, Clara says that he wants to become a professional, yeah. And of course Starting that job is not like following his dream, but the guy is like bored that he doesn't seems to find any job. So that's why he and he really doesn't want to just keep on doing the the same weekend salesman at at the at his farm at his parents' store. So that's why the reason he accepts. And at some point, I think he says or. Oh, tries to say that it's something to begin, I mean, something to, to start, to follow his dream. It's, it's just like a step, okay? I, he, he likes the, I mean, he, he likes the, the whole concept of time that, that the time trackers tells to him. And so he, he just takes the option. I, I, I didn't really thought about that a lot. Yeah, I, I also don't know how much money Will, will a guy like this earn in a day or a month because it's sometimes they don't get paid or or yes but so yeah I, I will have to to do more research on that well my 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 opinion would be that uh, Carolina said that it would be better to make him make him a little older because like he doesn't have any option yeah that could be uh, but I like I said before the the only thing is that he's really bored that he doesn't find anything. So that's why he takes the the option. But that could work also. I mean, like the the guy doesn't get jobs because he's older and not so young as the actor of the story. 
Oh, another thing is though, maybe he can continue to be young, but maybe omit that phrase at the beginning or that sentence that says actor dreams of becoming or a professional. Maybe if you just simply don't mention that, he doesn't have the ambition. He He's more a philosophical guy and he dreams. They, it would fit. What I'm saying is it doesn't fit with the way you describe the character at the beginning, right? So maybe change the character a little bit, omit some parts that his parents need him uh, need him to make a, a salary because they are going through a difficult time. If you omit those two parts of the story, then there wouldn't be a conflict with his having to accept, not his having because he wanted to accept the time tracker's job when he's gone or just simply do not mention the need for money or the need to be professional. Then maybe that would work. Or as Carolina said, somebody who's already lived and doesn't need the money and then maybe that would work. Okay. It's because I'm thinking in the context of Colombia and a young man with ambition, you know, that's the part that and that, also their families, you know, here mm -hmm. the family has a big influence on what somebody studies, you know, and what somebody does for a living, you know, it's just a very uh, strong influence. So if you don't do certain things, if you don't study certain things, they don't like it. So yeah, I mean, for a credible, uh, unless he maybe is an orphan or something, or yeah, uh, something, know, to make. something like that, but... Yeah, the family here, we know that it's very, uh, has a lot of influence in, in those decisions. And it's very common that somebody here doesn't study what they like to, they would like to study because of the pressure from the family. I, I will say, so coming at it from, obviously not from a Colombian perspective, from an outside perspective, I thought it kind of did make sense to me in the sense, I thought there were a couple of things that, like uh, that you mentioned, Juanma, that kind of made it sense to me that like why he would take this and why it didn't seem too weird, which were one kind of the very, very early on kind of allusions to Buddhism and stuff like that. And so that kind of building on that, for me, I kind of read it as almost like a personal growth thing because Buddhism, I think, is quite involved with time and notions around this and timelessness, you know, um, enlightenment. So it kind of made sense to me that a guy who's interested in that already would be intrigued by this thing of time tracking and almost like it's personal growth for him to maybe start thinking more about like what's more valuable in life and like the value of time rather than just this professional career. And with regard to the money thing, what I thought it was was that um, the problem was not so much that they didn't have um, money or that they weren't or they needed him to be contributing, but more that they couldn't cover paying for him to go to school was what I thought was going on. So therefore, almost like, he either he needs to get like a job where he's making enough money to contribute to the household, or if he's not studying, um, in the case of if he takes the time-tracking job, then there's like this massive strain on the family's finances disappears, and it's kind of more manageable. But that was kind of my take on how those things Would for me were reconciled, yeah, within the story. Yeah, yeah, precisely. That's, that's when when he arrives home and he, he sits on the table, when his parents said, his dad said that, Hector, we cannot pay you for the next semester. Like, yeah, really they are concerned about they not having the funds to, or the, the means to fund his his career or mm -hmm. his, his studies. Right, but if he gives up that because he's become yeah, kind of interested exactly. in this other way of living, then it's not so much of a problem. Yeah, exactly. if they don't care what, I mean, 
Yes, there not every parent has to put pressure, you know, not, not all the parents are like that. But yeah, it would be perhaps nice to know that, you know, that And anyway I I think that he he never really tells them what where is he working at. But he tells them he's working. So he's, yeah, yeah. he's lying in a way, right? Let me see. There's I can't remember where he said, um, I found a job. Does he say that somewhere? Um, he told his, oh yeah, he does. He lies. He says he told his parents that he had got a job in Unicentro. Right. So that, that means that he's working for, for a purpose. So maybe I don't need to work any, I'm sorry, I'm not going to study. I've decided that I found a job that is more rewarding than going to school or something. It's not that I don't like the character, but there are some things that to me don't fit together. Just touching on the fantastical thing, I was what I was thinking of was kind of there was one particular point where you're talking about imagine the bus is ahead one kilometer away, it could be five, ten, fifteen, sixty minutes. And kind of um like you're talking about this tribe with like the idea of um uh, not having this concept. Have you heard of the Sapir Wolf hypothesis? So it's this notion that like language constrains how we see the world. And so I was kind of thinking um, this idea of like, uh, when I was saying about fantastical, almost the idea of like being aware of the illusions regarding time almost allows one to transgress time or something like that. So that's all I was trying oh, okay. to say about the fantastical thing. Well, unfortunately, speaking of, we are out of time for this particular <laughs> podcast. And we have to wrap it up there for this particular episode of the Bogota Writers Group podcast. If you've liked what you've heard and want to read more, you can check us out on Amazon, where we have two collections of short stories, Voices of Bogota and Authors from Authors. If you just want to learn more, send a comment or such, you can look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to post comments, questions, invective, or just anything you might be on your mind. My name is Delaney Turner. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again in two weeks. You're listening to the Bogota Writers Group Podcast.